0: Well, God bless you. Welcome to the wonderful Words of Life radio program. We are studying the life of Christ and we're in the very first section, which is the birth, the infancy and the youth of the Lord Jesus. And the last time that we were with you, uh, we were talking about the shepherds uh, being appeared by an angel and they went to where Mary had given birth to the Christ child. And I just want to go ahead and read the last two verses of Luke chapter two before we pray. And then we'll start with the, uh, with the next event in the birth infancy and the youth of the Lord Jesus. And that's the circumcision of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the last two verses of Luke chapter two says this. But Mary treasured up all of these things, pondering them in her heart. Now, that word treasure means to store up. It means to keep in. So all of these events. And if you'll go through uh, both uh, the gospel of Matthew concerning the birth of the Lord Jesus and the gospel of Luke, you'll find that there is seven witnesses to the efficacy of the birth of the Lord Jesus, uh, his deity, the fact that he is the son of God, the second person of the Godhead, his miraculous birth. And uh, I I tell you, it's just so exciting. And I know that. that a lot of times when we're studying the Gospels, we bypass the birth of Jesus because uh, we hear this story every Christmas time. But if we truly want a fresh revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ, His person, and what He means to us, then we're going to have to go to the whole Word of God. We're going to have to go to the very beginning. I remember years ago, Oral Roberts saying that when he was praying, desiring more of God, the Holy Spirit told him to read through the Gospels on his knees. And he took 30 days to do that. And his own testimony or Robert's own testimony that the end of those 30 days, he had such a fresh uh, revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ packed with energy and packed with power. And that's what we need in this day. We need the church to be reminded of whom they are serving, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we walk in lockstep with his person and his word. Praise God. Amen. And when we do that, oh, I tell you, the glory that will fall. Praise God. And I just want to remind everybody that the words of Zacharias, when he said, in whom being delivered from the hand of our enemies that we may serve him in holiness and righteousness all of our days or all of our lives. And that's why God has delivered us. That's the main reason. Now, practically that he has delivered us, what do we do? Well, we serve God in holiness and in righteousness all of our days. We live a separated life. This is what garners the church the power of God, that strong arm that affects not just our homes, but affects our communities and affects our nation. Praise God. Amen. And uh, of course, remember what the psalmist said, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Well, I choose Jesus Christ to be my God and Lord, not only over my, my life, but over my country too. Praise God. So let's go ahead and pray and then we'll begin. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful today that we have a God who loves us so much that he gave himself for us. And I thank you so much, Lord Jesus, for giving us word as a foundation of our life that we can live our days in holiness and righteousness and serving you. Praise God. Serving you in righteousness and in holiness. Praise God. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. Now, Father, bless your word today. Holy Spirit. Amen. Take the word spoken and drive it and put place it into the hearts of everyone within the sound of my voice today. And we'll give you the praise, honor and glory for it in Jesus name. Amen. Praise God. All right. Now we're going to be looking at the circumcision of Jesus. This is found in Luke chapter two, verse 21. As a matter of fact, the next uh, few subsections here, we're just going to be following uh, the uh the uh, the gospel of Luke, his record of the birth and the infancy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Luke chapter two and verse 21 says, and when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. So once again, we have the traditional view that the male child is named after the father. But in this case, Joseph and Mary said, no, his name will be Jesus. And of course, uh, Jesus is the, uh, the, the Greek uh, title for the Hebrew, uh, Yahshua or Yeshua, and which means God saves. Amen. So Jesus is our Savior, God with us. Emmanuel, praise God. Amen. But notice that Jesus was circumcised. He was circumcised according to the law. And, of course, circumcision was that seal that one has entered into and is part of the covenant of Abraham and part of the Jewish people. And so Moses records in Leviticus chapter 12, verses two through four. Let me go ahead and read this to you. Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, if a woman have conceived seed and born a man child, then she shall be unclean seven days. Now, we've gone ahead and we've covered that. You know, she was unclean for seven days. According to the days of the separation of her infirmity shall shall she be clean. And in the eighth day of the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised. So the eighth day is the day that we're talking about right here, or rather Luke is talking about right here, where uh, Joseph and Mary both present the baby to a place. It was outside of the temple area now where uh, Jesus would be circumcised. And the reason being, uh, we'll see here in the next verse. And she shall then continue in the blood of her purifying three and 30 days. So she shall touch no hallowed thing nor come into the sanctuary until the days of her purifying be fulfilled. So she was not allowed. Mary was not allowed into the temple until her for full 40 day purification rite was fulfilled. So. This is very significant in the fact that uh, that Jesus now and Joseph and Mary being just people and being honorable people are fulfilling all of the laws and the commandments in the book of Moses. And so they followed this law, this ordinance, and they had Jesus circumcised on the eighth day. So everything is being done according to the rule of law, according to the Jews. Amen. And so uh, this circumcision is significant because in a spiritual aspect. You and I, through Christ, are circumcised. In other words, not necessarily our foreskin, but circumcised in heart. And remember what Paul said. He said circumcision doesn't mean anything nor uncircumcision. He's speaking of Jew and Gentile. That doesn't mean anything. What what? mean what what is important into the kingdom of of God it's a new heart a new birth a new creation circumcision availeth nothing neither uncircumcision but the new creation and I just have to say to you do you know that you're born again today do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today you'd go to heaven well, if you can answer that into the affirmative, it's because the up through the operation of God, God has circumcised your heart. He's taken out the power of darkness and he's come in and he dwells in your heart. Praise God. Amen. So you have been delivered from the hand of your enemy. And now you are called to serve God the rest of your days in holiness and in righteousness. Amen. Paul said it this way, that we have been created in righteousness and true holiness. There is a holiness in the religious world that, in God's view, is not holiness at all. All that is is a fiction of the flesh. Uh, that's really not what true holiness is. True holiness is the desire from the de- very depth of our heart to live every day in such a way that God is pleased to follow him. Amen. And to follow God is to follow him in holiness and in true righteousness. Praise God. All right. Now, let's look at the presentation of Jesus in the temple. This is uh, very interesting. All right. We're in Luke chapter two, verse 22. And when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. In other words, they were coming into the temple area. Amen. To offer sacrifice and to present this child uh, to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy unto the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. In other words, these two turtle doves or pigeons are a sacrifice to fulfill the purification rites of uh, the Mother Mary. Now listen to this. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Ghost was upon him. In other words, the doctrine of imminency was alive and well in Simeon. This is what he was in the temple for. This is what he was praying for. And this was what he was waiting. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was waiting for that time that God would send a deliverer who would deliver Israel. Now, look at verse 26, and it was revealed to him by the Holy Ghost, by revelation. I'm telling you right now, do you want revelation from God? Well, if we, the church, will begin to walk in obedience to him and everything that God has said. Being careful not to do anything that would displease him. And if we do, if we'll be quick to forgive. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Quick to confess, quick to ask forgiveness. Amen. Revelational work in our life. The reason why so many of us in this and in, in the Christian world don't have revelation is because we're not walking, being just and devout. Praise God. Amen. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So this is what Simeon was praying for. God had already told him already revealed to him by the spirit. You will not die before you see the Messiah. So that's what he was waiting on. Praise God. Now, verse 27, and he came by the spirit into the temple. In other words, he was led by the Holy Ghost into the temple. He didn't know where he was going. He just knew by the spirit of God, amen, to follow him. And when the parents brought in the child, see, here's the thing I want you to see. Simeon was there before Joseph and Mary showed up. The Holy Ghost got Simeon there ahead of schedule. (laughs) Praise God. He didn't come in after he came in before. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he up in his arms, took the Christ child up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let my thy servant. Depart in peace according to your word for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all people. Amen. This thing was not done in a corner. Praise God. And we're talking about all people. We're talking about all the people of Israel. A light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. Notice that. What's the whole plan of the gospel? Number one, to call the Gentiles to repentance and that God would glorify the people of Israel. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? I tell you, that is tremendous. Praise God. To me, this is the most powerful passage in the Bible. I know I've said that many times. That Simeon knew by the Spirit the baby Jesus was the coming Messiah. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, you've got to have the Holy Ghost upon you in order to see these things. And that's the point that I want to make. You've got to have the Holy Ghost on you if you're going to see things that are to come. Praise God. I know there's a lot of prophets. I know there's a lot of prophecy going on. Amen. Some of it, you just get most of it. I would say most of it. You just got to put on the shelf. You yourself. I myself. We have to have the Holy Ghost upon us to be able to see the things that God wants us to see. That's why it's so vital for us to stay in the word and in the spirit. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, we want to put our name in there. John came by the spirit or whatever your name. You came by the spirit. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And then verse 33 says, and Joseph and his mother marveled at those things that were spoken of him. Now, when the scripture says marvel, he did he, Luke is not intimating that Joseph and Mary were in unbelief. They already knew what purpose God had for this baby called Jesus. And Simeon came by the spirit and he came into the temple and his words caused Mary and Joseph to confirm that which they had already known. Remember now, Joseph, he's had several dreams by angels. Angel came to him and comforted him concerning Mary, that this thing in her was of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. And then verse 34 says, and Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary, his mother, behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel. Now, that's 2000 years worth of prophecy right there. That one little statement. The fall and the rising again of many in Israel. Israel rejecting their Messiah. Israel suffering in 70 A.D., the destruction of Jerusalem. And then again in 135, finally being scattered throughout all the world, but regathered again into their own nation in 1948. Amen. I tell you. You better stick with the Word of God. Let me just go ahead and say that. Make that an imperative. You and I better stay with the Word of God because the Word is truth. What God said will happen is going to happen. Amen. And we know that from the past. Everything that God prophesied through the prophets concerning the Lord Jesus Christ came to pass. Jesus prophesied the destruction of Jerusalem, and it came to pass. It came to pass within a generation, just like he said. So when Jesus says, I am coming again, and when he tells us that I'm going to prepare a place for you, and when I come again, I will receive you unto myself, that's going to happen. That's why you and I live every day as if Jesus is going to come in the next five (laughs) minutes. Praise God. We believe just like Simeon believed. We believe in the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And so uh, Simeon goes on and says this to Mary. He says, yes, and a word and a sword, rather, shall pierce through your own soul also. So that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. One thing the gospel does. One thing the cross does. It forces a decision. It confronts us and forces us to make a decision. Whether we are going to what we're going to do with the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are we going to accept him and follow him, surrender to him and follow him? or Are we going to reject him and stand apart from him? Amen. Is so important. That we make sure that we're standing on the right side of eternity. Amen. Now, Matthew recorded this in Matthew chapter 10. He says this. Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be the members of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. And he who has found his life shall lose it. And he who has lost his life for my sake shall find it. So I want to ask you, what have you done with the person of the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you love him or do you hate him? Have you accepted him or have you rejected him? Amen. That's the sword that's going to divide every human soul and every human spirit in this life. Praise God. Not not necessarily in life to come, but in this life. Of course, the life to come is dependent upon what we do with the Lord Jesus Christ in this life. So let's choose Jesus. I choose Jesus. Amen. Let's all of us choose Jesus. Praise God. All right. Verse 36. And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phineuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with an husband seventy seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about four score, four years, 84 years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fasting and prayers night and day. Think about that. Here's another holy woman. Serving God, fasting and prayer night and day. You know, the greatest prayer team pastors that you have in your church is training the elderly to fast and to pray. Making them the strong arm of prayer in your church. They can't get out and witness. They can't get out and go door to door. They can't get out and do a lot of things. that younger folks in your church can, but I guarantee you one thing they can do. Uh, They can pray heaven and earth together in their wheelchair. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. So there's always, always ministry for whatever age a person is in. There's always ministry in the church. Dire ministry. Prayer ministry is a dire ministry. Oh, that God would raise up, that pastors would cause to be raised up in their church elderly men, elderly women, holy men, holy women of God that would serve God and serve the church with fasting and prayers night and day. Praise God. Amen. What a difference that would make in the church. Verse 38. And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord, same as Simeon, and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Israel. She's pointing the way she's pointing to Jesus. She's pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ. And saying, this is the way, this is the way. Now walk in it, praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, now we're coming to the wise men. This is found in Matthew chapter two, verses one through 12. So we'll begin reading. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east of Jerusalem, saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? Now this is an interesting, I got this out of Wycliffe Bible translators. Notice this, I'm quoting Matthew, who alone records this incident, shows the contrast in attitudes between the non-Jewish wise men who journey far to see Jesus and the Jewish authorities who would not go five miles to visit where he was born. Not five miles. They wouldn't go even five miles. But yet the Gentiles came hundreds of miles. Actually, I think it's around a thousand miles. To see him who was born to be king of the Jews. My, 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 my. That says, what does that say? Where is Israel today? Primarily Israel is under the spirit of Antichrist. And they persecute Christians and churches in Jerusalem, in Israel. Forbid them to proselyte. Forbid them to preach the gospel. And those who have, have suffered for it. But now the Gentile world... They're coming to Jesus by the thousands and the hundreds of thousands filling up the violent are taking it by force. Praise God. The kingdom is suffering violence and the violent are taking it by force. In other words, they're pressing into uh, the kingdom of God. And so what's the nation of Israel doing? Amen. They're, They're following the spirit of Antichrist. That's sad. That is very, very sad. All right. Once again, verse two, saying, Where is he born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east or come to worship him. When Herod, the king, had heard these things, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art thou the least of the princes of Judah? For out of thee will come a governor who who shall rule my people Israel. And when Herod, when he heard privily, called the wise men together, inquired of them diligently what time the star would appear. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search diligently for the young child. Notice that the young child, not the baby, the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. And when they heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over the one over where the one the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding joy. Now, number one, this is not a natural star. This cannot be a natural star. This has to be something supernatural that God did. Amen. And I think personally, I think the wise men were the only ones that saw the star. And so they journeyed to Bethlehem, they journeyed to Jerusalem. And then that star appeared again and and led them over to Bethlehem where Jesus was uh, staying with his parents. How do I know this? Well, look at verse 11. And when they were coming to the house, not into the stable, not to the manger, and when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. Notice it doesn't say that they saw the child in the manger. They saw the child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. So there's a period of time that has elapsed. We don't know how long, but there was a period of time. Some scholars say they think it was upwards of a year. I don't think it was that long, but it was a period of time. Amen. So the wise men didn't show up in the manger. That's what I'm trying to say. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed to their own country another way. And of course, the the gold, the frankincense and myrrh, that represents all the different uh, stages of the ministry of the Lord Jesus. The fact that the gold, he is the king of the Jews. The frankincense speaks of his high priestly ministry. Amen. uh, Not only for those uh, in Israel who believe, but the church that was to come. And of course, the myrrh speaks of his crucifixion and of his burial. All right. Now we're coming to the, uh, the flight of Jesus and his parents into Egypt and then the child's return. This is uh, Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 13. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt and be there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise man, was exceeding wroth and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coast thereof from two years old and under. According to the time which he had diligently acquired of the wise man. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremiah, the prophet, saying in Ramah, was there a voice heard lamentation and weeping? Great morning, Rachel weeping for her children and would not be comforted because they are not. But when Herod was dead, now, where do you suppose he's spending eternity? Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and go into the land of Israel, for they are dead, which sought the young child's life. And he arose and took the young child and his mother and came into the land of Israel. But when he, he heard that Archelaus did reign in Judea in the room of his father, Herod, that's because Archelaus was the son of Herod the Great, and he was granted the re, uh, to be regent of the area of Judea. He was afraid to go hither, notwithstanding being warned of God in a dream, he turned aside into the parts of Galilee. And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene. Amen. Now, one thing that I want us to see here is what Luke records now in verse 39 of Luke chapter 2. Notice this. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong and was filled with wisdom. And the grace of God was upon him. See, Joseph and Mary had done everything Required by the law of the Lord. And that's including following the directions of the angels of the Lord. Now, we're going to finish here. This is the childhood of the Lord Jesus. Uh, This is found in Luke chapter 2, verse 40. And the child continued to grow and become strong, increasing in wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. And his parents used to go to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he became 12, they went up there according to the custom of the feast. And as they were returning, after spending the full number of days, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem and his parents weren't aware of it. But supposed him to be in the caravan and went a day's journey. And they began looking for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem looking for him. And it came to pass That after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard them were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when they saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us this way? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. And he said to them, why is it that you are looking for me? Did you not know that I had to be about my father's business or in my father's house? And they did not understand that statement which he made to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth. And he continued in subjection to them. And his mother treasured all these things in her heart, treasure them in her heart again. And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with men. This section is probably one of the most potent Defenses of the sinlessness of the Lord Jesus Christ, because look at his advancement by the age of 12, astounding the scribes and the lawyers who had all their life had studied the scriptures. And yet he was teaching them. You say wisdom and knowledge come to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. But if we're go- we're going to have to be obedient to him and that means we're going to have to serve him in holiness and righteousness all of our days, following Jesus, amen, our Lord and our Savior. Father, we bless you and we thank you today for your goodness and for your mercy. Now, Lord, we take the word to heart with intentions to act upon it, and we'll give you all the praise and honor and glory, Father, in Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.
1: Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen.